Bet365 sponsors this podcast and features over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you'll ever need to bet on sport. The app lets you access pre-match and in-play markets and provides instant match updates. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. This app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only and please gamble responsibly. I'm Dan Bardell and welcome to 1874, the podcast that will bring you the definitive word on Aston Villa Football Club every single week. Greg Evans, motivational speaker from last week, is here at the Athletic HQ with me, although to be fair, you were spot on last week, Greg. I'm now even more miserable. Yes, not much has changed as it's still very depressing uh, covering and watching Aston Villa and it feels like nothing's going to really change in the coming days. No, well, a couple of things have happened since you wrote your piece yesterday as well. So we're going to focus basically today on, on where Aston Villa go from here. And that was that was pretty much the topic of your article that came out the day after the Leicester game, Greg. Just talk me through that. I mean, the opening gambit in, in that article, it was words like imploding, deficiencies, and it's it's just all stuff I didn't want to read, And but it's all true. There was such a good will at the end of last season. Like, I thought we might be in relegation trouble and that it would be a fight. I just didn't expect it to be this miserable. I didn't think it would be like this. No, I didn't either, I have to admit. Um, and, and it's equally, I know it's it's depressing to read it, but it's equally depressing to write it as well. I can um, imagine. You know, you know, it genuinely is because it feels like covering Aston Villa is a real slog at times. And, you know, there was a there was a short period last season where it was really enjoyable and fun again. Yeah. To, uh, you know, to be an Aston Villa writer. And, and obviously the supporters were happy too. But... We were at that stage where it had to be written. Unfortunately, you know, five games, five defeats in the bou- on the bounce in all competitions. Um, looking ahead to the Chelsea game, probably the most informed team in the in the division. You know, at the moment in those these last few weeks, anyway. That looked good last week. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they've, they've, they're starting to turn around their season now and look odds on to finish uh, in the Champions League spots. Um, but yeah, it's there's so many problems at Villa at the moment. Like it's they. they there's, there is just so much, you know. You can't just up as well. Yeah, I mean, like you know, statistics only say one thing. You know, you, you can you can you can take statistics in two different ways. But the problem with Villa is there's just so many that are bad against them. It's like, I mean, they're the they're the second worst team in the league at the moment statistically. I would argue to say they're the worst team in the league. To be honest, at the moment. Yeah, you well, know, there, there everything but points. I think yeah. we are we're bottom of the league for a lot of things. You know, they, the 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 defence is the worst in the league. They can't stop conceding goals. You know, fifty six already. The most shots faced, and that was that was the same from day one. So you know that you've got to look at the coaching staff there and say, well, thirty one shots, thirty one on on the opening day of the season feels heavily, and it's never been that bad throughout again throughout the course of the season. But Villa are still miles ahead of of any other team in terms of the shots that they've faced on goal, and they've played a game less than most of them. So you've got to say it's a it's a coaching error. It's it's a coaching problem in some respects because Dean Smith and his team are are, are struggling to get this defence to tighten up. They're, you know a lot of it I think is 
to do with the midfield. I think that they yeah. don't they don't support the back line enough. Um, I think Tyrone Mings is trying to do a little bit too much because he knows I mean, that there's having to. Yeah, exactly. He knows that the, there's weakness around him. Um, the fullbacks for me are, are struggling massively. Frederick Gilbert he needs to be taken out the team. I think he, he's he's struggling. He had a bad game on Monday. He's struggling and. Um, and to be honest, Matt Target isn't doing much better either. You know, I feel like I feel like at fullback they're they're a little bit weak. They're a little bit weak in midfield. Um, and just as a defensive unit, they're very weak. Um, so yeah, set pieces and corners, free kicks. You know, you name it all. They're Villa are the worst for them in the whole division. I, I, mean, I had to I had to really step back and think what Dean Smith was saying when he said. Um, We've been working massively. Those are the words. We have been working massively on set pieces. From from what I understand, there'd been there'd been lots of drills on defending balls into the box. Yeah. Um, yet the first three cor- first two corners Leicester oh, City had should have been two down. They were free headers. Yeah. I mean, what what the, what is going on? They were free headers. Both of them should have scored. Soyanku and Evans. And then a couple of minutes later, Ian Acho has another chance from a from a set piece that broke down. Again, he should have scored that header. And you just think, what is going on with this team? What is happening? Because, um, you know, it's very depressing to write about it, but I can totally understand it's depressing for fans to watch it as well. The thing is with set pieces, so this is a, might be a completely useless analogy, but you know when like England will practice penalties in, in a tournament and then they'll go and take the penalties in an actual game and they talk about it being different. We're not working on set players and stuff. Surely it's like a, it's a similar kind of thing because... You're going to know the runs that that, that are going to come in when it's when it's up against your own teammates, but up against Leicester, you won't you won't really know what what's coming. For example, and we just looked all over the place, and this thing of having Tyro Mings as a free man to me it actually makes sense. What Villa are saying in the terms of he's the best header of the ball, we leave him loose, he he can attack the ball, but it visibly was not working on Monday night. No, it, it's. No, it's not. It's and to be fair, it's a lot of the players around him. The yeah. players that are supposed to be the markers are are struggling to mark the men, or and just not marking the men. Okay, you've got to look at it the other side. Fair play to the attackers if they're if they're causing problems. But any manager and any football player will tell you that you have to defend set pieces well because it's a basic. Yeah, you know. Okay, you can win a game from a set piece, but it's basic. It's basic, basic defending, marking areas or marking men. Yeah, and Villa aren't doing it right. No, it's it's a really really funny one because as you, as you say, set pieces can, can be so costly for a team, and it, and it has cost Villa a, a number of times. Another thing that's costing us, I think it's ten errors leading to goals. Now, I mean, Pepe Ryan has been playing football for a long time, and I, I don't remember ever seeing him do anything like he he did on Monday night. Yet it's that rush of blood to the head. Do you think that comes from Pepe Reina? He's not particularly used to being at the bottom of the table, being in a relegation scrap. And again, is it a case of someone trying to take too much responsibility and take too much on? Because it was just—it was a silly, silly decision and costly. Yeah, you, you wouldn't have expected it from Pepe Reina. I wrote a piece about him um, a couple of weeks ago and you know spoke to multiple people that knew him and know him well. And that was very out of character. Um Week before though, Southampton similar, not similar, but you know, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, he's, he's had two bad games in yeah. the bounce. He's had he has had two bad games. Um, but Your articles cursed him, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, do you know what? I was planning to write about Danny Drinkwater on Monday, and oh, look God. what's happened to him. So, yeah. Maybe anyway, that, that's take, a, take that's, the week off. Greg. That's that's another issue. Um, we'll talk about that later. But yeah, yeah Rayna, he's had two two disappointing games. Um, maybe he's trying to do a little bit too much and. and 
put Paul, um, Paulie's defence out of, out of trouble. Maybe he thought that Bjorn Engels wasn't going to get, you know, he's, he's quite slow, isn't he, Bjorn yeah. Engels? Maybe he thought that I've got to take charge of this because Harvey Barnes, that long ball over the top, Harvey Barnes is going to get onto anyway. Um, but what he did was wrong. Just uh, wipe him out there, yeah. I think. Just wipe the man out. But he gets sent off then, Do you think he would have yeah. got sent off? Yeah, 100%. If you make it look like you go for the ball, do you definitely get sent off there? I think, I think the way he charged out with, you know, both hand, with one hand up and sort of spreading himself big, if he takes a player out, he's sent off. Okay. So, um, well, I don't think he would have made the game any worse looking back, to be fair. They were holding tight at that point, obviously, yeah. it was 0-0. Um, if you take it to half-time at 0-0, you never know what can happen. Things, But but we don't do that, do we? Again, so many <laughs> times, five minutes before half-time, it's like something goes off and an alarm bell rings in one of the Villa players' heads and they think, oh, we better do something stupid here because it's 0-0, it's we're in a decent position. That, that's the most worrying part of, about this team at the moment. Yeah, As you say, the 10 individual errors... Um, that's just what Opta have recorded. I'm sure there's a lot more than that, to be honest, yeah. um, you know, leading to goals. But the problem is you just wonder who's going to do it next because they've all pretty much taken the turn, haven't they? Bjorn Engels has had one, Tyra Mings has had one, Tom Conza Heaton had, had one, one. Konza, um, uh, Drinkwater against Man City. And you, you just think, well, you know, this isn't, there's only so much a coaching team can do to stop individual errors. They have to coach and set up the team correctly but yeah. they can't stop these individual errors it's the players are letting the team down it to an extent because those are the they are the ones making the problems do you like beer do you like free how about you guessed it free beer as a valued listener we'd like to bestow upon you just that thanks to our good pals at beer52.com you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world all you need to do is go to www.beer52.com slash 1874 and cover just the postage of £4.95. You've got to pay the poster. And as if that wasn't enough, as a listener of 1874, you'll get two extra free beers. So that's 10 free beers overall. Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries planet Earth has to offer. No surprise then that they're the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 delivers a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand and many more. But they haven't forgotten their roots. And as an independent UK company, Beer 52 are passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave any time. The power's in your hands. As well as the best, most interesting beer money can buy, your case will include the award-winning craft beer magazine, Ferment, which explains the theme and individual beers you'll receive, and a beery snack is thrown in as well just to top it all off. Don't like dark beers? Choose the light plan. Easy. Just go to www.beer52.com slash 1874 to get your case free. And don't forget, right now, 1874 listeners get two free extra beers. The annoying thing with Villa is, you talked about briefly that, that good spell last season where, where we, we win 10 games in a row. We either seem to be like up there really high, things are going brilliant, or most of the time, it's an absolute disaster. There never seems to be an in-between with us where we're just steady, just, just chugging along. Do you, do you know what I mean? It's always, the highs are really high. And the lows are just horrific because I feel like I've been at that juncture on Monday night a fair few times in, in the last decade where you just, yeah. you're just yeah. racking your brains thinking, what's going on here? Yeah, it's it's a decade of disappointment really, isn't it? Minus last season. 
you know, if you take well, even that had half a season, half horrific. a season, isn't it? It's half a season last year where Villa, where Villa were really exciting, and um, it's incredible, isn't it? That, that it's a decade of disappointment, but during that decade, they've still managed to produce a record-breaking run of um, of unbeat of winning games. So yeah, it's, that's the it's, exception, not the rule, though, isn't it? Yeah, really? of course, of course. Look, it, it's been it's been a, a really disappointing decade ever since Martin O'Neill walked out in the on the eve of the 10-11 season it's been you know disappointment after disappointment um and it certainly feels like it's heading that way this season you know we've got now got Dean Smith ahead of the Chelsea game potentially with one game left to save his job you know we, is we, he we, under that amount of pressure is your understanding it's my understanding that that yeah that that, that they he needs a result really i mean it, we're at the stage now where it will be six defeats on the bounce if they lose to Chelsea, and then there's a twenty-day period where, a without a game. Gap, isn't it? You just think. I mean, look. I I want Dean Smith to stay. I I believe that he can still turn this around. I'd like to see him given that chance as he got the club promoted. But I just think if they lose on Saturday, and with that twenty-day gap, I think if the if the owners want to get rid of him, that will be the point. They do. If they don't get rid of him, then then I think you'll see out the season, regardless. Because that's the last chance, isn't it? Really, there's no there's no other gap. I, I just no think, yeah, like that. exactly. I, I just think that if they're going to make a change, that is maybe just a time where you can get somebody else in, um, and 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 just have a little bit of time to implement some ideas and and, uh, and you know pull pull the squad together and and just try and make a change. Because let's be honest, something does need to change. Else, that club is going down. Yeah, well, I thought, you know, the talk after the huddle that they got they had this huddle and we've galvanised and we're going to take that performance against Man City, we're going to take it into the next game, but that, that, that hasn't happened. Well, I said it last week, didn't I? I said, uh, it's a defeat for me. And yeah. Okay, okay, it was like, it, okay, it was, it was an encouraging performance because they didn't get... Uh, you know, battered by Man City. It's no good getting battered the next week, is it? It's a defeat. And we we sat here last week and we said, we will only see whether that performance had any um, positive impacts on the team after the result at Leicester. And they're going to lose 4-0. And and Dean Smith rightly said it wasn't as bad as Southampton. And to be honest, it wasn't because they were dreadful at Southampton. But it was still pretty bad, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, I felt like there was a lot wrong on Monday. And I, 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 like you, I want Dean Smith to succeed. I want him to stay. I want him to keep us up and build again next season. I said at the start of the season, whatever happens this season, I want him to be in charge for the long term. And I stand by that. But, you know, when the camera cuts to him on Monday night, you're looking at, looking at him and he he does look a little bit lost at the moment. I, I'm not sure he knows, he knows what to do. Because I feel like... He's talked the talk for a long time and feels like he, he kind of says, oh, this can't happen again. It, it won't happen again. And then it's happened again. Like you say, five in a row is, is bad. You can't you can't dress that up at all. I just feel like, is there anyone else who's going to lose their job here? Because I've heard stuff about Pitarch as, as well, that he might be in a little bit of trouble because I still look at that recruitment and I think we're not strong enough. We're not physically strong enough and we're not mentally strong enough. And I know how Dean Smith wants to play football and you know exactly the same as me, how Dean Smith likes the game to be played. And we're not getting that at the moment, but are we not getting it because what he's got to work with isn't good enough? Yeah, for me, there's there's two there's two major issues here. One, the recruitment isn't good enough. Let's be honest, it isn't. You know, that, okay, they had to they had to sign twelve players this season, uh, twelve or thirteen or fourteen or whatever. You know, they they had to rebuild that squad. Um, yeah, I get that. That's yeah, fine. You know, we we all understand that, but the recruitment 
isn't good enough, wasn't good enough because the players, no, n- not sounding disrespectful here, but the players are not good enough, are they? No, no. You know, well, they you wouldn't be, the in, they would not be in that position if they were good enough. So, so Suso, as he's known, you know, will need to take some responsibility for that because it was him who engineered most of those moves. Who's the, like, when you say that? Who's who's he pulled in? Would you say who are the Suso boys? Trezeguet. Well, yeah, I mean, look, you know, Tre- Trezeguet, Louise, Wesley, Nakamba. I mean, Dean Smith would have would have said yes to them all, yeah. but there would have been players that Dean Smith would have preferred over over some of these signings. But he's used to that. You know, he had that at Brentford. He was virtually, you know, he was given players and told, you're enough. the coach, you know, you get the best out of these players. So, to, you know, Dean Smith obviously has to shoulder some of the blame as well because yeah. he has to he, he's the guy tasked with getting the best out of the players but if the players aren't quite good enough what you've got to remember is if Dean Smith was well, was to be sacked whoever comes in has still got that bunch of players who probably aren't good enough to stay yeah. up It's so, interesting you, you say know, about Brentford I was thinking about that earlier because their recruitment's good yeah, for the championship, good. the people they've pulled in, they've made an awful lot of money off off cheap signings. They've pulled people in yeah, from, from France, Malpay, for example, Ben Rama. So their recruitment's been really good and Dean Smith's worked with those players. And got the best yeah. out of them, remember. Do you know what I mean? He still has to get that team together, form that team together, build a culture amongst the club. But it's been and a struggle with Villa. It, it's been a struggle, yeah. But I think I think the culture isn't necessarily bad at the club. I think he has uh, improved the culture almost okay. I, because of... I feel that he's, he's. I just feel he's getting. Let, I just feel he's let down a little bit by the players. The performances just haven't been quite good enough. There are there are issues that he maybe needed to change. I think he needed to be a bit more pragmatic at times. I think the four three three that he favours hasn't always worked. Um, you know, the th- the three up front have, have has been quite difficult because Villa are just left too open and exposed in the midfield areas when they're defending, and and that's one of the reasons why they've faced so many shots at goal and conceded so many goals. Um, there there are a lot of problems to discuss here, aren't there? It, it, it feels like it's a really, um, it feels like it's a really just it's bad time at the moment. It's like the inevitable. I've been, I've been in, saying it? for months, Villa need to just scrape by this season and, and stay up, but and get enough points and then rebuild. But I just, I'm struggling to see how they're going to do it now. Yeah, I mean, you, you had the points you made struggling against the big boys. Not ideal to face Chelsea yeah. on Saturday off the back of a four 0 win for them. The other one, I've got to talk about it. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. VAR. Yeah, again. I mean, I still think we would have lost, but some of the decisions that have gone against Villa this season have just just been baffling. That Ming's handball. Mm. It's just it's just not humble. How is that humble? Yet the Harraham one against Arsenal earlier on in the season is not humble. Mm. It just doesn't make sense. There's no consistency whatsoever. Well, well there is consistency because we've been done over 24-7 since it came. But do you know what I mean? Across the board, Villa just seem to have been penalised by VAR, VAR so, so much. Yeah, it, it does feel like a lot's gone against Villa this season. Um I don't know the exact statistics of who's been done over worse or not. But well, you've reeled off a pretty big list. It feels yeah. like Villa has. There's, there's quite a few real standout moments. Is that Wesley and Grealish at, at, at Burnley? That could have been costly. I mean, that was embarrassing, but luckily that didn't. Luckily that didn't um, have any impact. But the, the other ones that were that were really damaging were um, the penalty that should have stood at, at the Emirates in the last minute. <laughs> I you mean, know. how we took that game away in the first place, I do <laughs> yeah. not know. But that's one that really Dean Smith actually, you know, really 
struggles to face up to that one. It's a, it's a sore subject when when that's mentioned. Palace is Palace, is a course, yeah, Grealish again, which which wasn't a foul for starters, and then Henry Lansby scores. A um, couple of others, the offside ones. I suppose you can't really say too much about um, Hurahan and McGinn's goals because nah. they were actually offside. But okay, they're a bit unfortunate. But yeah, VAR is just it's ruining it's ruining football for me, and I've said this many times. I think that. The, su- the supporters uh, are feeling it the worst because they can't even celebrate a goal, which is horrible, until the VAR has checked it. Um, but that penalty is just ridiculous. It's like VAR was supposed to be introduced to stop, you know, clear errors, to stop the officials making errors. This is where I don't and, get it. And and it's a very very debatable one. I mean, it's so close between his shoulder and his upper arm, isn't it? It is really it's close. because he leans into it, isn't but it? I think you that's just the think. Smith was right when he said it was a brave decision. It was a very brave decision from the referee to give that because then the VAR check it and if it's not a clear and obvious error, they then can't they, they can't it. change it. So you just think it's so close to being debatable, but you can't ever, you can't say to me that referee looked at that and thought that that's 100%. Aren't no, no, no. You're only supposed to give a penalty if you know 100% what I mean? there's and a it's, like, it's gone against them, but it's just one of the, one of the issues and you know, you, you say that teams down the bottom it goes against you doesn't it when when, yeah. when things aren't going right and it just feels a little bit that way Villa have to control the things that are that yeah, they I was can control of that. course but they are so it hasn't helped yeah I was watching the Champions League last night and I just feel like the way it's implemented in the Champions League it's a lot smoother there's, there's not as much stuff up in the air with it it's concrete with the, the way things are judged there's none of this clear and obvious rubbish I just hope that the Premier League next season can change it and I just hope although it feels unlikely at the moment that Villa are part part of that process Let, let's talk about Dan Smith a, a bit more then you say he's, he's in, in a bit of trouble what are Villa's options here because I'm saying hearing John Terry linked with taking over permanently today if, if, if Dan Smith goes until the end of the season I'm not particularly sure what, what I think of that I don't know what you think but then Allardyce is the other one that, that you hear mentioned again I'm not sure what I think of that at all what, what would you say are Villa's realistic options hypothetically if Dan Smith's contract does get torn up yeah, so the, the situation is Villa's owners are looking at this and saying we cannot get relegated because they know of the consequences. They will obviously lose all their best players. Uh, Jack Grealish, Tyrone Mings, Tom Heat and John McGinn are all inevitable departures if they get relegated. And then you've got the worry of um, you know, fi- financial issues. The fact that Villa have been promoted and, and, and got these... Um, Got the the the, re- the the increased revenue this season, and then we'll also get parachute payments for two years next year if they do go down. That will stand them in good stead. They'll okay. be okay with that. So financially, they're not going to be in ruin. Um, plus, Jack Grady should be the first hundred million pound player. Yeah, you, well, yeah, I think you'd go between eighty and hundred million, wouldn't he? That's what that's what you'd be looking at. But um, you know, Villa will will have a lot of money coming in still. Um, but if you remember Christian Perslow when he was over in. America at the start of the season, he said, we have no, absolutely, you know, n- no ambition of being um, of floating with relegation. That That's not in our interest. We're not even considering that sort of thing. He said, we're not there to make up the numbers. So at the start of the season, you know, the aims were high. Okay, they definitely would have taken 17th and they might still get that. You never know. But... Um, the issue they got with Dean Smith is if you lose six games on the bounce, you start to think, well, where does this... Where does this end? You know, when is is this us now? Is this us done? You know, is this just going to be us falling into oblivion again and, and fighting away? So that will be in the owners' um, minds. They'll be thinking, 
do we go with potentially John Terra, who is inexperienced as a, as a coach and a manager, but might bring fresh ideas and a fresh outlook and a fresh approach? That might be an option. Um, certainly, Christian Perslow knows him well and, and, and was part of the reason that he came to the club. Then you look at the other options. They could potentially bring a firefighter in. I've got no... Um, uh, hard evidence of them wanting to do that yet that's something I'll be chasing up in the next few days and after the Chelsea game if it goes wrong to find out if there are any options or considerations for that um, the, the issue the situation you got there is you get somebody in who potentially could could save the save Villa pay him a big pay him a big wage for, for six months or whatever two or three months would be the yeah. big bonus potentially of keeping the club in the division that might work and then you um, hire somebody with a long term vision in the summer or you you pick someone who you feel that is going to um, you know it can start the project already which I, I feel I would be that, difficult because yeah. you know you, you, that, that's some it's a long term plan isn't it you have to plan in advance to get that man um, okay, look, you know, it, it's a little bit disrespectful to to be talking about other no, people no, I, because neither because of Dean us Smith want, is still in the job. You know, we, we have got to remember that, but we are now at the stage where this Chelsea game could be pivotal. Um, the worrying thing for me is that the, the, the supporters are starting to turn, aren't they? Well, you, I was going to ask. I was going to say on social media, obviously, is a war zone at the best of times. You 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 will always get a range of opinions as, as we'll come on to. Like, but in in the ground, I've never really got that sense that the fans want Smith gone I think there's a lot of goodwill there still I think fans are just are still grateful for last season I don't know what it was like on Monday night because unfortunately I wasn't physically at the game you, you can tell me whether it started to turn or not I mean <coughs> people were left early I know yeah, people left yeah. which is unheard of for an away game well that's it the, the seats were really you know emptying towards the 80 sort of 5th, 86th minute. I'm surprised um, it wasn't earlier. And uh, the rain was battering down on the people in the front rows, so that might have been an issue. But um, there were a couple of boos and jeers at the end. I don't, because I was far away yeah. from it and, and the music was on, I couldn't hear where that was coming from. But uh, in, uh, in, sorry, what direction that was going towards. But um, the players were very standoffish. Jack Grealish went over there. Tyrone Mings went over there. Uh, Pepe Reina went over there. But the others were very, very reserved. Um, and even those three didn't get very close because I think they could feel they that knew. the atmosphere was very, you know, very, very hostile. Um, Social media has been very quiet since the game as well. None of the Villa players even posted no, anything after the game. No, no. And uh, yeah, you know, the, the, the players are off on are off on Thursday, but. Um, any any plans that they might have had earlier in the week might have had to have been shelved. I'm led to believe because just because of you know the the manner of the result. Obviously, you got the Cheltenham Festival, haven't you? This week, yeah, yeah. Dean Smith and some of the players they like to go there, and I'm led to believe they majority of them I think didn't go purely because of you know the situation that they're in. Um, it's best to start whether whether that, yeah, that, we, exactly whether that changes in the days ahead or not. We'll see. But I've always found from covering this club, and obviously Dan, you know, you, you've been going as a fan for longer but when the fans start to turn it's all at the games yeah it feels like that's very much oh, the yeah. end I was at Sheffield United away last season and Bruce got absolutely pelted and I, I just knew at that point I, he ain't gonna last much longer they may yeah. as well sack him now they, yeah. they gave it another month or so I think but you're right especially when the away fans turn yeah I mean that that's is the when you know barometer, isn't it yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're the hardcore they're the ones that pay the hard-earned money every single week to, to go and I think patience is is getting lower, but the the feeling I've got is that there's still some goodwill. But on Saturday, if we get if we get absolutely thumped again, I've no doubt that that it will turn. 
1874 and Aston Villa podcast is brought to you in association with Stitch Fix, an online personal styling service that takes the hard work out of dressing well. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic. Fill in a style quiz and tell us about your personal style, budget, size and shape and your clothing needs and wants. A personal stylist will then send you five items of clothing, each handpicked especially for you from their selection of 100 brands, including established names and up and coming designers. Try on everything at home and style with other items in your wardrobe. You can then pay for what you love and send back the rest. For your stylist time, you pay a charge of just £10, which is deducted from the cost of anything you decide to buy. Remember, you try before you buy. Delivery and returns are free both ways, and you don't need a subscription to sign up. Get started with Stitch Fix today and support our podcast by going to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic right now. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-F-I-X.co.uk forward slash athletic. Just when you thought things couldn't get much worse, last night, so that's Tuesday night, the, the news broke that there'd been a bit of a bit of a bust up at the, the training ground. Danny Drinkwater and, and Hotter, we don't know exactly what's happened, but there's been some alleged bust up. Drinkwater seems like he was he was the main culprit. Can you, can you just talk us through what you know, Greg? Yeah, from what I understand, um, Danny Drinkwater head butted Jota during a you know heated exchange uh, on on the training ground. It was. Um, yeah, he was on. He was on Tuesday, and then he was sent home by Dean Smith. Um, I don't expect him to be back at the training ground this week. I don't no. think. Obviously, he can't play on Saturday anyway. Can't feature at all because Villa are playing Chelsea, his parent club, so he's ineligible for that. Um, seriously, wondering now whether whether he's played his last game for Villa, and um, you, you have to think that it would be very very difficult for him to come back from something like this. Um, there's a chance. You know, let, let's let's not say one hundred percent it's over yet because no, no, no. There's, there's still a a chance that something could get resolved, but it would be very unlikely. I think. Um, I think that Villa will make a decision um, after the Chelsea game on what they're going to do. Uh, you surprised there hasn't been a club statement yet? Or do they waiting for the press conference. I think yeah, there's a press conference on Thursday. I expect it will be addressed, but not in too much detail um, because there's only so much Dean Smith can say when. It, when when decision when decision uh, incidents like this take place and a decision needs to be made, I think it's in the club's interest to get a decision made pretty quick because speculation will continue in the days ahead, and you know it'll be something that'll be reported, something that'll be talked about amongst the fan base. Um, and at a time like this, it's it's not really ideal, is it? You know, you, no. it, Villa need everyone pulling together, focusing on getting the right results. Um, Still got to find out the exact details of why this this bust up happened. Um, I mean, Hotter seems like quite a passive character. I mean, I'd completely forgotten yeah. he played for us until his name was <laughs> yeah. mentioned to, to do with this incident. But do you know what I mean? He doesn't doesn't strike me as someone that gets into bust ups. He, he doesn't just seem like that type of character. Yeah, no, he, he's certainly not. Um, but I'd I'd have to find out more about the incident to you know to to to, to talk any further about it at this stage. Um, what I do know about Danny Drinkwater is he's um, he, he, Nigel Pearson described him as a complex character when he when he managed him at, at Leicester. Um, he he doesn't take well to not playing. He wants to always be playing. Um, and he, I think he finds it quite difficult when he when he's not playing because okay. you know, he's a football player who desperately wants to play and he does work very hard and try to. Um, you probably shouldn't have gone to Chelsea then. Well, when he, when he did. Yeah, you know, look, times have changed for him in recent years. It's been, 
it's been stop start his career uh, and I mean the, the, there might be cases uh, but I can't think of many players in recent years who have had two loan spells in the Premier League and um, ended them both early no, no can't think of many well I can't think of any but I mean I presume there will be there's no smoke without fire with these things either like some, something has happened I'm hearing the same things as you I think I think it'll be the end of him I th- if what's happened has happened I don't think there's any way back for him at all and the, 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 posi- the positive is John McGinney's back yeah. soon so I mean Villa if Villa, if Danny Drinkwater does go and the, the loan's terminated or ended then I feel like Villa aren't losing too much because he hasn't it's just really been a disaster it's just a disaster yeah, yeah, he, just, he, hasn't, he hasn't made an impact really let's be honest he hasn't done anything that Villa fans would have expected from him um, and in short he was signed to replace or fill in for John McGinn and John McGinn ain't far away coming back now so it's not too bad I'm hoping John McGinn comes back I mean he's an excellent player anyway but he needs to be 10 times the, the player that he was before before he got injured to help help us stay up the thing is with drink water like, I feel like again it comes down to recruitment like I tried to be positive about that signing when it came I remember you trying to be as well but I think both of us in the back of our minds were thinking alarm bells were ringing Sean Dyche kind of waxed lyrical about him but then why did he never play him and why was he so happy for him to go it was almost like trying to big him up a little bit so some, so someone took him on and it, it's just been a te- terrible sign and talking about him coming in and even filling in for McGinn they're completely different players how was how someone like Drinkwater going to going to fill in for McGinn and McGinn's yeah. very unique I mean you'll struggle to get a player like McGinn anyway but you know what I mean he's not even close he's a completely different type of player and for me we already had that type of type of player there at the club and he's just offered no benefit so far and if, if it ends the way it looks like it's going to end it goes down as just an, another disaster and it's a, it's another finger point to do with Villa's recruitment yeah I think they were just looking for a, a loan player really to, as a stopgap. Uh, they didn't want to invest the money um, as, a, as a transfer fee at a time when they were seriously threatened with relegation you know if they'd have bought somebody for say if, if you'd have bought if you'd have bought a Danny Drinkwater you're still looking at a big amount of money as a transfer fee and then you think well you then got to offer him a a two-year contract minimum um, going down into the championship just wasn't wasn't feasible. It didn't work. They had to get a loan signing in, so the market was limited. Um, but yeah, you know, you're right. It hasn't worked. Yeah, just another one of those ones that you can chalk off as a, as a disaster. So we well, look at like you look at last summer at season as well. Tom Carroll that just went completely wrong in January, didn't he? You feel like these ja- and Borja Baston, what's he done? You just <laughs> no. feel like these January so- loan signings just aren't really worth it almost I mean Mings was pretty good but yeah yeah, yeah. good <laughs> but, point but good other point. than that yeah <laughs> I, know, I know what you're getting at so what I did yesterday was I put out a very brief video just summing up the Leicester game very very briefly because I was still very upset and just asking Villa fans for their opinion of, of where they think we go from here and t- to be honest the different difference in opinions that you get when you put something out like that. We've got over a hundred replies, and I've I've got a few here in front of me. I've tried to just get opinions that are just different. So the first one here, Ashlock. Yeah, I may be deluded, but I believe every player does show their qualities during the games. My issue lies with the strategy defending from the midfield in open play and our arrangement on set pieces. As a result, it's the backroom staff slash strategy that needs changing asap. What do you think of that one? Uh, yeah, valid point from 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 Ash. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I still think the players are largely to blame for the for the for the organisation and the results. But yeah, at the same time, it's a coaching error or a coaching mistake by allowing the team to set up this way and concede so many goals. Holly Jen, 
are the players following the game plan and tactics set out by Smith and Co or are they just doing their own thing for 90 minutes I find it so hard to believe that one of the best defenders in the world isn't coaching our defence on set pieces so we tried to clear this up a little bit last or a few weeks ago it was now with John Terry John Terry isn't the man making the decisions, is he? He's just implementing what, what someone else is asking. So John Terry's getting a lot of stick on social media at the moment, but I find it pr- pretty unfair because it's not really on him, is it, as, as a coach? Uh, yeah, I think that the fact that John Terry is there and he was one of the best defenders in the world, I think Holly makes a good point there. And she, you know, you would hope that having somebody like that would be able to tighten up the defence. The one thing I'd say in his favour is that every defender I've spoken to has said it, that individually he's helped them. So, you know, that they, they wouldn't say it if, he, if they felt no, that no. he wasn't. So he's got to shoulder some of the blame, I think, because he's part of the coaching team and he will work with the defenders. So, um you know, he has got to shoulder some of the blame, but it, it's it's more it's more Dean Smith's methods. Ben Smith, first of all, asked if he could have more than 280 characters, but then goes on to say there are goals in this team. Jack is isolated on the wing. The transition must come from the middle. Play two up top and allow Jack to attract attention playing in the middle to create space on the wings. We must rally. What do you think of that? He wasn't in the game on Monday, was he? He's been underperforming, I think, for the last couple of games, really. Ever since the winter break, he hasn't quite looked the same as, as before that. Uh, I, I think he might be getting a bit frustrated with the lack of quality around him. I, I know I certainly would if I was that he's good. He's the ball. And, and yeah, he's, nobody gives him the ball at the moment. Which And he's not he's in and out of games too often. It's not, it hasn't worked very well for him in the last couple of weeks. But I think the whole, the whole two up front situation, I just I can't see it working at the moment, unfortunately, because... I know the I know the current system isn't working. What? I know I get that. Why is going to work, Greg? Give me some I answers. Think may, I think maybe it might be worth giving Keenan Davis a try up front instead of Samata. You think instead? Uh, yeah, I'd like I'd like to see that person. That's just one of my views. Um, I'd I'd like to see whether whether Davis holding the ball up and bringing others into play had any have has any benefit. Uh, I think I just can't see the two up front. We, we've we've also I just can't see it for me, unfortunately. No, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, we've got to change something. It, it, it didn't work when, at Leicester when they were down and Davis came on no. and El Ghazi came on. It, it just didn't look like... I like I Davis, know. but I think Samata has to play. That's that's my thing. He's, he looks the most likely to stick the ball in the back of the net, doesn't he? And Jack, I just genuinely feel, feel sorry for him at the moment. What, what's he supposed to do? Teams know they shut him down. They've, they've shut us down so they can double mark him at the moment and it have no effect on, on them at all so they're going to do it aren't they and then their teams are shutting us down at the moment Aston Radford after 28 games not knowing our best formation or starting 11 that's good night Irene for any manager regardless in my book well, yeah you know, fair play Aston it's a, it's a valid point um, great name for a Villa fan isn't it Aston oh, yeah, I can't, is can't that, is that where, a name yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine where Villa fan dad got the idea from but yeah <laughs> um, yes uh, They've they've tried like twelve different defensive and goalkeeper variations. Do you think that's part of the problem? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. You look at any successful team, and they've got they've got a settled team. They've got a settled back four. They've got a goal scorer who's always scoring the goals. The right goalkeeper who plays every single game. They've been a bit unfortunate four. with goalkeepers, to be fair. Yeah, they've, with been, injuries. they've, you been, can't. Un- they've, they've been unfortunate, but they've had four goalkeepers. No, no other player, no other team has that in a season. Four goalkeepers. It's crazy. No. Um, and yeah, 12 different dif- defensive and goalkeeper variations. There's no stability or continuity there. Does that point again to Waston saying his Dean Smith doesn't know his best team, but does it again just point to. He's not happy with what he's got to work with. He, do, he, he doesn't know what to do. He keeps changing it because he needs something to stick and that's not necessarily just down yeah. to him. I think so, yeah. I think results, obviously, 
it's it's result dependent, isn't it? If Villa lose a game and he thinks, well, how am I going to change this because it's clearly not worked, and you, you have to mix it up if you've if you've lost a game. But it's a total, totally valid point. He tried to stick with the same team early in the season, if you remember, didn't you? Yeah. It was very similar. But I felt like there was going to be progress at that point. It certainly felt yeah. like Villa were playing well. Villa were playing well and they were pressing high, they were attacking, they were creating chances, they were exciting to watch. The only issue back then was that they couldn't hold on to the lead, could they? And they were losing games 3-2 and 2-1 after taking the lead against the big teams, admittedly. But they've gone backwards. Well, definitely. It's amazing football because there's so many different different opinions here. Everyone's yeah, got their yeah, idea it's of what, of makes what, it great, of what it? they you think's know, wrong. No opinions right or wrong. Uh, uh, Tony Lloyd here, who I know and I know, He's a very, very reasonable Villa fan. He goes home and away. He's there every week. He's not one to rant and rave. He's saying here, personally, Dan, I think the mitigation of having to rebuild is now masking the naivety of Smith and the coaching staff at this level. I can't believe the standard of our defending at set pieces. There's no excuse for not attacking the ball in our box. That's interesting because I know he'll have been very pro-Smith like us yeah. at the start of the season. And he's one of those ones that I'm saying, home and away. Yeah. But he's starting to have different ideas about, about the management. It's 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 when you it's when you're looking at the results, isn't it? And goals are constantly going in. You think, well, what what's the reason for this? Why is this? And and the the management and coaching team aren't finding a way to stop the flow of goals at the moment. So you can totally understand why supporters are frustrated. Yep. Ben Kroll, if we sack Smith, we will be setting ourselves up for further failure if and when we go down. We got promoted a year early and had a massive squad turnover. As much as I'd hate to go down, we are actually set up quite well for the championship. I kind of agree with this. the first half of what he's saying that we perhaps did go up a year earlier because I don't think any of us thought at one stage we were going to go up. The second part about being set up well for the championship, I'm not so sure about that part. Yeah, I, I, I like Ben's optimis, optimism and positivity, but the problem is you, you can't be thinking of next season. It's The focus is staying in this league and I know the owners, and, and I know the owners are only focused on that, so anything that comes into their thinking will be based on this season only it won't be oh if we get relegated then you know this man's the right man for the job everything is geared towards staying in the Premier League and that's the way it should be to be honest okay interesting Matty Marrow, we I mean, we covered this a little bit, but what's happened to Mings? I know it's not just him but where is that form that got him the England call up I wouldn't pick him for the Euros right now Interesting. I feel sorry a little bit for Mings. I do feel he's one of Villa's best players I think he's trying to do a little bit too much um, because there's shortcoming alongside him mentioned earlier I think the fullbacks are letting him down a little bit and don't support him enough neither does the midfield um, but yeah his form hasn't been quite as good as it was at the start of the season he'll know that as well but I think largely that is down to that he's in a struggling team and he's having to defend so so much Yeah, I'm, I'm you, gonna, you put him in, an, in a Man City team or, or a Man United team or Liverpool team he looks completely different yeah I'm going to defend him because I, I think he's an exceptional player I think he's he's one of our most important players obviously I just think He's fine at losing battle out there mm. uh, at the moment. I agree. You, you yeah, wrote yeah. in your piece, he was the only one who looked like he was bothered that we that we were getting hammered, the only one that had to go at, at Rainer. Like Jack, I just think Tyrone's having so much thrown at him at, at the moment. He's, he's having to try and be everywhere and you simply can't do that. And I, I think we're making him look bad rather than him, him being out of form himself. I think Villa are making him look bad. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Last one then here, Jed Egan. I don't believe anyone wants to change a manager. He's a decent bloke and one of our own. There's a but though, and that it seems now that there's a necessity for there to be a change. We're free falling into the championship if drastic action isn't taken now. Yeah, I mean that's the general feeling, isn't it? You know, Jed Jed's comment there sort of sums up how a lot of Villa fans are feeling. I think. Um, 
one win changes everything in my view it's just getting that win it, <laughs> it, is, is, it feels a long way off at the done. moment it's, it's easier said than done I know it's the next very, four are horrid as well yeah, next yeah. four games and, and all the stats stack up against them don't they you know Villa have struggled against all the big teams and they've got them all to come um, I'm, 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 I've, I've said for a while now I'm struggling to put a case together to, to suggest that Villa will stay up but um, you know Jed's point does reflect how a lot of my mates who are Villa fans Less are feeling as well yeah um, it's just that I would love to see Dean Smith turn it around and these players just get a result and they can kick on from there but they've got to do it haven't they they've just yeah. got to do it and if they don't then there's going to be consequences see at the moment because we're not I know we're not playing how Dean wants us to play at all but yet we're not solid defensively either so we're just a a bit in between we're, we're nothing at the moment and we're getting caught out like Nor- Norwich the only team that are below us but when I watch them I get the sense that they're at least executing what, what their manager wants I know, and I know they make mistakes at the back as well but do you know what I mean going forward they're quite yeah. fluid still and they've got an identity and you, you can see that the, they're giving the manager everything us on Monday I just, I, there was nothing I could come out of with that game with a positive and I'm a very positive Villa fan I'll always try and find a positive every week but genuinely I had nothing on Monday and that isn't a good place to be is it? No there was nothing positive to come out of Monday Villa had four touches in Leicester's box I mean it's ridiculous four touches no other team has managed less than fewer than that and uh, and it's just that's the sign of where Villa are at the moment they're conceding way too many goals but they're not doing anything going forward either no, well, this has definitely set us up for Saturday. I'm, I'm even more buzzing for Saturday than, than I was <laughs> Sorry, before mate. we started. I think that'll, that'll do us this week. I think we've probably uh, upset everyone and depressed everyone enough for one week. Maybe next week, Greg. Just maybe. Maybe we'll get to talk about something nice. Let's hope so, because you have, have to, to write come, about it and, and talk about it. Me about it <laughs> yeah. in, in the week as well. It's, it must be getting bad for you. I feel do, sorry do you know for you. I'm, I'm actually moment. used to it because covering this club has been very much like this for a while now. When did you come in? Covering Villa? Uh, well, I've been doing it for 10 years, but so just, as, just as a Villa writer specifically, it was at the end of Paul Lambert's reign, just at the st- okay. just, just when Tim Sherwood was taking over. I've noticed since you came into the media world, the Villa Centre had been on the decline, mate. We were pretty good until you, until you <laughs> came along. <laughs> we're, it's we're, all my fault. We're all right. Well, thanks very much, Greg. Thank you for joining me today. I'd like to say it's been a pleasure, but it absolutely hasn't. Hopefully you've managed to take something from this podcast today if you have been lucky enough to tune in. Remember, for ad-free podcasts, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic and listen through the app. You can get a 40% discount now by using the code VILLAPOD. We'll be back again next week. God knows what's going to happen. Thanks ever so much for listening to 1874 Up The Villa. (laughs) 